0: This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Ben, if I could ask. Yeah. Okay, so I've been I've been here 11 years now. I think this is my 11th or 12th time that I've uh, preached to a crowd of students who have been basically up for 48 hours. So here's the deal. If you guys fall asleep, I'm gonna have this at the ready and we're gonna just have a little, yeah. Just so you know, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Now I know that the junior high boys are gonna fake sleep so that I can shoot you. It has to be a legitimate sleep, but just so we're all clear, this is about to happen. And that goes for you adults as well. As long as I got this, I'm gonna use it. Are you with me? Everybody stay sharp. Let's look at Titus chapter two. Titus chapter two, we've been studying this great book and learning how we as Christians do life. Now, we've uh, examined Paul's letter to Titus. Titus was this pastor uh, of a bunch of churches on an island called Crete. It's in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. So you can go look it up. Let's Google it. It's right there. And, uh, and, and Paul said to Titus, hey man, there's some objectives that need to be met here in your pastoring of these churches. And so uh, after some you know, brief... Uh, Hello is at the beginning of the letter. He just dives right in. And the first thing he does is he says, Hey, we got to get some leadership in place. If you don't know this yet, everything rises and falls on leaders. At every phase of life and every facet of life, there's people who are in charge and who are pointing the way. And everybody, as they follow them, either, either rise and, and improve or they fall and, and become less. And so leadership is so huge. But this is what we learned about elders. Remember we talked about this, those of you who are here? We said everybody is somebody's elder. Everybody is someone's overseer. Uh, It's not just the pastors and the the appointed elders of our church that these scriptures are for. It's for all of us. Because even you guys, no matter how old you are, wherever you are in life, people are looking to you for what it is to be a Christian. And so you're somebody's pastor. Uh, So are you. We're all somebody's pastor. We need to take very seriously... Uh, the standards that Titus uh, had mapped out for him by Paul. Now, Paul continues. He talks about some people who were uh, making a mess in the churches there in Crete. Uh, uh, they were uh, teaching a, a gospel that wasn't true, and he warned Titus, make sure that they, they get that straight. In fact, deal with them harshly if you have to. Get them out of there because we don't mess with the truth. The truth has to be the truth. And then he, then he goes into chapter two and he picks right up where he left off when he was talking about the leaders. He says, hey man, let's talk about the older men and the older women and the younger men and the younger women. And he gave these standards for how everybody was supposed to live in that church. Remember those sermons? He says, this is how we do this. And then he gets to this verse <laughs> that we're gonna study today in chapter two, verse 11. And the verses that follow, 11, 12, 13, 14, he basically describes the reason why we can do all the things that he's instructioned, instructed and the reasons or the, or the means by which we can accomplish those things. Uh, what enables us as Christians to do what we do? Well, we're going to find out today that it's the amazing grace of God. Who's heard of grace before? Anybody heard of grace? How many people call the prayer before your meal saying grace? Anybody say that? Let's say Grace. Okay, I guess you could use grace as a substitute for prayer. Certainly the fact that we can pray is grace, right? Uh, That God would have anything to do with us is amazing grace. Uh, But grace is not a prayer. Grace is way bigger than that one prayer before dinner. Uh, Grace is what's made the entire Christian thing possible. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 that it's by grace, through faith, that we are saved. This whole, this whole Jesus thing, church thing, it hinges, pivots on this idea called grace. Uh, grace, if you want to just kind of break it down into its roots, is basically, a, it's the Greek word charis, and it basically just means gift. It's a gift. It's something that, listen, it's, it's basically us receiving from God something we couldn't give ourselves. And if anybody's wondering, you know, what, what are, that's everything. Everything that we have is a grace from God. Our lives. It tells us in the scriptures that uh, in Him we live and move and have our being. You don't exist except for the grace of God. Uh, the, the things that we enjoy in our lives, the grace of God. The, the, the eternal life that we can expect after this life, courtesy of the grace of God. It's huge. It, there's no way we could f- fully talk about grace in 40 minutes, so I'm just going to try to hit the highlights. Is that cool with everybody? Now, the three things that should happen whenever you start talking about grace, three three responses it should elicit. Ready? The first one is wonder. Because grace is amazing. Someone should write that song, right? Amazing grace. It would be a great one, right? The kids are like, huh? Grace is amazing. And when you think about grace, your head should just kind of go, you know, mind blown, right? Because it's it's just this, this thing that we can't comprehend. In a world where everybody is, you know, paid for what they do and and uh, cause and effect, grace just kind of runs against that. And it's just us receiving what we could never get for ourselves and never deserve for ourselves from God. It's amazing. Grace should elicit this response, gratitude. We're going to talk a lot about that. I will live for Christ by grace and because of grace, because of what he has done for me. Grace should elicit uh, an attitude of gratitude. And then finally, grace... Not just wonder and amazement, not just gratitude, but grace should uh, kind of rise up in us this sense of, man, I'm I'm determined. I'm determined to live this life uh, in such a way that it it reflects my gratitude and my wonder for grace. We'll talk about that too. Look what it says in Titus chapter two, verse 11 about this amazing grace. This word right here, anytime you see it in the Bible, anytime you see therefore or for, what do you got to do? You got to go back because this is a connector word. And the things that you go back to and read are things like in chapter 2, where it talks about the older men and older women, younger men and younger women. Be in certain things to the glory of God, making sure that they live a certain way. And then this word connects those, those, those lists, those instructions that says, for the grace of God has appeared. Here's what t- uh, Paul is telling Titus. Hey, man, all the stuff that I'm telling you to do is possible because grace exists. Grace has appeared. Grace has appeared it doesn't say it here but grace it's implied here that the grace of God has appeared in the in the person of Jesus Christ Christmas who likes Christmas You know why oh good got you there excellent You know why we get so uh, you know why we celebrate Christmas it's not for the gifts and all those things which are great hey there's there's gifts right there grace right But it's because Jesus came to earth the personification of grace itself arrived in a manger and because he appeared, grace appeared. And because he appeared, he brought salvation for how many people? All the people. Now, that doesn't mean everybody receives salvation, but it's available to all who would receive it. Paul tells Titus, have everybody do these things, but help them understand that this derives from the fact that grace is in place. Grace has appeared. talk about those things i just mentioned the the whole fact of wonder i think wonder a lot of times can kind of become confusion Uh, anybody ever try to figure out something you can't figure out that that makes your head hurt and sometimes you you start making uh decisions about what you can't figure out and they're the wrong decisions you head in the wrong directions like how about this some people when when, before they become christians they don't understand uh, grace pre-salvation Wait a minute! You just told me that I don't have to do anything to be saved. Well, you have to receive what God has given you through Christ to be saved, but that's it. So I don't have to be good enough in any form or fashion. No, in fact, you you should probably not even try to be good enough because, just you know, newsflash: you never will be, right? The Bible tells us that none are righteous. No, not one. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death the free gift of god grace is eternal life through jesus christ our lord right but most of us we don't like that we we're americans we like to be involved somehow you know like uh, when someone takes me out to dinner and says that they're paying whoever has the, who's had the fight for the check at the end of a dinner and anybody ever had that guys guys are typically brutal with that women you guys you know you just talk it out but guys are like no hmm testosterone i'm paying right so whoever is ending up to, you know, paying, the other guy doesn't want to feel emasculated in the situation or whatever you think that is, and so he always tries to figure out a way where he can weasel into the deal. Usually it's by saying, well, I'll get the what? I'll get the tip. It's not much compared to the bill, 20%, right, everybody, right? At least I'm married to a former server, I have to, that's where it starts, I got to go up from there, but anyway, <laughs> but that's what you say, I'll get the tip. And we do that as men or as women, if you do that too, because we just want to feel like we're a part. And we we apply that same principle, that same thinking to salvation. Hey, I want to be a part of this. I want to have to do something. But the, the scriptures are clear you can't. For grace, you are saved by faith, and it's not about you. I'm paraphrasing. It's the gift of God, Ephesians 2 8 says. And it's not about your works. So that, get this, so that nobody can boast. So that nobody in here can say, well, I was good enough for Jesus and apparently you weren't. No, none of us are good enough for Jesus. None of us could ever save ourselves. But God, because of his love, he demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wonder can uh, kind of become confusion for people on the backside of salvation, too. So a lot of us in here are Christians. We made our decision to trust Jesus. I dunked a bunch of you guys. I know I, I remember you in the tank. Uh, we've, we've all become Christians, but on this backside of salvation, here's what grace uh, kind of becomes for us. It kind of becomes like this license to ill. License, that, that's, that's the Beastie Boys. I just did the Beastie Boys. Uh, it becomes this, this license uh, for you to go and do things that you're like, well, the grace will cover it. Uh, You know, because I'm forgiven, uh, I'm no longer beholden. I don't have to hold morals and things like that. If if, if I truly understand grace to be what you say it is, Pastor, then it doesn't affect my standing with Christ, and so therefore, I can just go live however I want, and grace will cover it. Uh, In in an age where uh, more and more things are sliding away from the morality that we... uh, had as a, a country originally and certainly have had in the last 50 years, this is becoming a more pervasive mentality in the church. Uh, I'll just, you know, count on grace. Uh, it makes us kind of spoiled brat Christians. Anybody been around a spoiled brat lately? Leaders? Anybody? No. Uh, yeah, it's, you, you can tell people who are used to getting their way and used to just doing whatever they want. I was, I was at a restaurant the other day and they still have gumball machines. Did you know they still have, make gumball machines? I think you have to slide your card now to get one, but, uh, but they had these gumball machines in this one restaurant, and this little four- or five-year-old boy was just going atomic. I mean, he was just losing his mind because his mom wasn't being fast enough with the quarter as a, as a parent. Anybody ever been in those situations and been like, hey, I can help here. Uh, give me five minutes with Junior, and I'll help him understand that gumballs aren't automatic. Right? Uh, but apparently, in Junior's life, he's he's the tail that wags that family's dog. Uh, he's he's used to being in charge, and so uh, you know, and Mom's there feverishly trying to. And and a lot of times, that's what we can do when we think of gracing in our God. We just he becomes, you know, the uh, the one to our rescue, the one to provide for us. We're entitled, and and grace will cover it, and I'll do whatever I want. Well, that's that's not what it's for. Uh, Post-salvation, let me just clarify this. Post-salvation, the things that we do uh, have two major components to them. Our actions, it's not a free-for-all. It's not us just saying morally I could do whatever I want. Uh, We are meant to, as it's going to teach us here in these verses, we are meant to live a certain way. That grace was given to us so that we could become uh, the, the children of God. We could live in a way that would glorify and honor Him. It's the, I call it in this, this sermon the grace expectation. It's what, it's what grace was meant to do in us. And, and the mindset that we need to have when it comes to our actions once we become Christians is that first of all, our works function as the proof of the presence of God's grace in our lives. It, it's not the thing that attains salvation, but it's the thing that kind of shows everybody, I've received salvation i got here a banana. Anybody know where bananas come from? Where do bananas come from? Revolvers? Where they? Tree, trees? plant? We'll call them plants. They're kind of like that. And, and uh, uh, can you get bananas from orange trees? What do you get from orange trees? Nice. Very sharp this morning. Yeah. If the, now listen, if we took banana seeds and orange seeds, we dropped them in the ground, and, uh, and we, we, we uh, well, we, we, we couldn't see them anymore. Uh, and, and then those, those trees or plants grow up, let's let's go something different than bananas. How about oranges and lemons? Because they almost look the same as trees. Did you know that? But let's say they grew up out of the ground, and we one, I can't remember which one's which, the orange tree or the lemon tree. What would be a good way for us to figure out which one was the orange tree or the lemon tree? You just wait for what to fall off of it? Fruit. Ah, nice play. You set me up there, Junior. Way to go. Yeah, our works... Uh, our, they, they show the fruit of what's going on inside of us. If, if, if salvation and grace has been planted inside our lives, if we've accepted Jesus Christ, and that seed's in there. And our works go to prove that the presence of Christ resides in us. They don't save us, but they help us and other people around us know, yeah, he's been saved. I think all of us, need to change our view of works a little bit. Most of us think of works, when it comes to doing them, is is I'm going to do this and then I'm going to get paid. Has anybody ever done that? Who mows the grass at their house? Anybody mow the grass at their house? Do you get paid before you mow the grass or do you get paid after you mow the grass? Uh, Neither? (laughs) You've got great parents, bro. I applaud them. Well, let's say if you went to someone else's house and they agreed to pay you. Do you get paid before? Who gets paid ahead of time for mowing the grass? I don't get paid. I never did. You would cut the grass. You'd come in all sweaty and with grass all over you, and you'd be like, done. And then the neighbor would hand you the, back when I did it, like a dollar, uh, you know, through the door, and that was the transaction. I used to deliver newspapers when I was a kid. And I'd throw them on the stoop every day for five days, and then on Saturday, what would you do? Some of you don't even know this actually occurred, but little people used to walk around delivering papers, and uh, that's how we made money when we were 12. And uh, and I would go collecting, and I would collect the, again, two or three dollars it took to buy a paper that, you know, that week, and then I'd go pay my bill, and that's how I'd get paid. Work, pay, work, pay. Now, when it comes to our relationship with God, some of us have adopted that mentality with, with the things that we do for Him. We, we listen to our youth pastors or your old pastors uh, preach about the things that we're supposed to do and go, okay, good, I'm going to go do that. And when I do that, guess what's going to happen? God's going to pay me. I'll be good and he'll be good to me. I'll scratch his back, he'll scratch mine. We make it a cause and effect relationship. Work in equals blessing out. Now, I'm grateful that oftentimes, the scripture teaches us over and over, that that it is the case, that God rewards those who honor him. But that should never be the sole motivation for us doing the things that we do for God. In fact, I want you to kind of change your mindset uh, about works as they pertain to grace. We don't do work so that we can get more grace. We do the things that we do for God because he has already given us his amazing grace through Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. Our lives, in essence, are meant to be thank you notes to Jesus. Not looking forward to the things that he's going to give me because I did this, but saying thank you to him for the things that he has done for me and doing it no matter what else he gives me moving forward. Uh, I like to think that any of the blessings that we get once we've been saved are gravy. right? I could hold up the packet over here. What I mean by that, it's just, it's the extra stuff. What we've received from Him in our uh, salvation—that's more than enough for us to live for Him in our lives. I get thank you notes every once in a while. I'm grateful for them. There's this one family in our church. uh, I think it's been ten years now. They write me every month a thank you note. I won't read you this one. It's kind of personal, but it's very nice. It's encouraging. I keep all of them so that on the days where I'm not feeling like a super pastor. I can read these things and be like, oh good, someone was happy with something I did. That's great. Uh, And it got me thinking as I was reading that and preparing this sermon that that our lives are meant to be just uh, living thank you notes. Like that's you, that's me. If we're Christians, we're just a walking thank you note. And everything we do should be a thank you to our God and to his son Jesus for the things that they've already given us. It's not something looking forward for what we're gonna get. It's it's us living as a thank you for what we received already. When it comes to grace, grace should lead us to wonder not confusion, but wonder. It should lead us to uh to gratitude and living the life like a thank you note and should lead us to determination. Uh, It it shouldn't make us tolerant of sin. It should do the exact opposite. It should make us intolerant of sin. In fact, grace, when we fully reflect on it, should should lead us to saying, you know what, I'm not going back to that old mess that I was before Jesus ever again. Because how jacked up was that? I don't want that again. I walked through the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem uh, a couple years ago when I was in Israel and sobering experience, as you can imagine. I watched as uh, uh, tour guides, young tour guides in their mid-20s were leading groups of uh, students from around the world. Israel actually pays for any Jewish uh, uh, young person to come to Israel and have a week in Israel so that they can get to know the the homeland and potentially go back and be a part of of living there and being a part of the nation. Uh, So on Israel's government ticket, all these kids travel to Israel and they just kind of hang out in Israel for a week uh, for free. One of their last stops is the Holocaust Museum, and uh, you could just kind of—I I actually mooched off one of the tours because they, they were talking loud enough that I could hear everything. Is that bad? Did I cheat there? I don't know. Anyway, uh, but I, I just kind of listened to everybody, and, and it was fascinating to hear from the perspective of, a, of an Israeli, of a Jew, uh, the things that you were seeing there in the Holocaust Museum. You get to the end of that, uh, you know, tour, and uh, they sit these these groups of international Jewish students down, and they talk about this this one. Remaining refrain, Uh, you are here in Israel because uh, we hope that you will be a part of us, never experiencing this again. It's one of the main messages. That's what they kept saying: never again. We're never going to have a Holocaust again. If we have anything to say about it, we will never have that happen again. It just when I heard that, I thought, man, that should be our attitude towards grace. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter two that uh, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We, we were in our own spiritual holocaust. Things were horrible before we met Jesus. And then by his grace, it says in verse five of that chapter, he came in and changed the script. And now we can have life through him and we have life, uh, like you said, I came, to have, or came so that you might have life and have it to the full. We can have life through him and, and all of us do. And if we pull back and we say, instead of, this is all the things that God hasn't done for me, but we say, these are all the things that I've received from Christ, the grace that he's given me that I could never deserve, it would would push us to this realization, I can't go back to what I was before because he's done so much to get me to where I am now. I always want to, you know, kind of read the stories further that I, I read in the scriptures, like uh, the story of the prodigal son. Anybody want to wonder, you know, what the uh, epilogue was for that one? Like, how did the prodigal son turn out? Anybody ever wonder that? Like, did he live a life of gratitude, a life of I'm not going back to the trough once he was accepted back into the father's house? How about the sheep, the lost sheep in, in Luke chapter 15, the sheep that the shepherd left the 99 for to go find? Do You think he was the most obedient sheep in the flock after that? Yeah, having your life saved, you think that would change you? But so many of us, we look at the saving grace of Jesus Christ and we're like, meh, it's cool. It's what I do on Sunday. That's just kind of how I roll, right? That's how I list myself on Facebook. I'm a Christian. Oh, it's so much bigger than that. And our lives should be spent in wonder over God's grace. in in gratitude for God's grace and the determination to never go back to who we were before God's grace. Well, that was my opener. (laughs) Let's talk some verses now. What more can we say about God's grace? What more can we say about the grace of God? Well, first thing here in this text, and I'll just kind of go through these until we run out of time. All who come to Christ do so by the grace escape. Kind of covered that, but just let's hit it one more time, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared... Bringing salvation for all people. The way I picture it usually uh, and, and help me back when I was younger is, anybody ever played freeze tag? Who's played freeze tag? Yeah. Uh, what do you do? If you get tagged, what do you got to do? Stop. You got to freeze. Hence the name, right? I can see some people nodding off over there. Okay, okay. It's not necessary. All right. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's close. Wake up, honey. Here we go. Uh, you're out of range. Good for you. Lucky. And we're back. Uh, freeze tag. You can't move until someone comes and tags you back. So someone, someone from your team looses you, uh, looses you or, or, or frees you. It's the same thing with the grace of God. We were frozen in our sin. We were, uh, for, for those of us who are older and maybe drive, we were motorists whose cars had died in traffic. Who's been there? Wah, wah, wah. Right. And you're just stuck until triple shows up and jumps you or the tow truck comes and moves you and, uh, gets you out of there. We're dead. Uh, Christ came so that by his grace, we could escape the prison of our sin. Uh, Here's something else we could say about grace. All who live for Christ do so by embracing his grace expectation. Here we go. Verse 12. Look what it says here, for the grace of God has no, go back. For the grace of God has appeared, uh, bringing salvation for all people, verse 12, training us. Here's something that's new. Did you know that grace was given to us as a teacher that we were meant uh, not just to receive God's grace and to benefit from God's grace for our, salva- for our salvation, but grace has this teaching component to it that we are meant to learn from the grace of God and by the grace of God, the ways that we are to live for God. Grace uh, and, and through Christ has trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in, in the present age. He goes on in verse 13. It's a long sentence here. Uh, we're waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, verse 14, uh, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all, unlaw- all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Finally, a period. Everybody see that there? Yeah, that's a long sentence. I'm gonna break it down for us. Uh, what does grace train us to do? Grace, first of all, trains us to say No. Grace trains us to say no. Look what it says here in verse 12. It says uh, that grace has appeared and it's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. It's training us to say no. Everybody try that. Put your tongue on the roof of your mouth and just uh, open your mouth like a a, a circle and say no. One more time. Everybody together. No. Uh, It's one of the first words we learn when we're kids, right? Your your parents tell you, uh, hey, come here, son. No. No. We like it as it rolls off our tongue. Now we're using it for the wrong purposes. We're using it to invoke self and what we want. But did you know you could use the same word to displace self? You can say no to yourself. What God wants for those of us who have been saved by the grace that Jesus paid for. He wants us uh, and wants grace to train us to say no. He wants us to renounce ungodliness Godliness is this big, huge word, and it basically uh, says that we lack the presence of God in in our lives. And what, what what God wants us to learn from grace is that we need to say no to God not being a part of our lives. Here is what happened with me when I was your age, guys. I was I was a, a an hour a week Christian. All right, my dad was a pastor in my church, and I actually we had, we had to dress up back when I was going to church, and so I would put on the you know the Straight jacket that was that three piece suit, and I would go to church and for about an hour every Sunday, I acted the Christian, but that was the only place that I really tried to honor God and follow him i 'd leave for the rest of the however many other hours there are in the week and just do what i wanted and what what grace has done in my life is it's enabled me and it, it wants to instruct me and teach me, and i 'm still learning, but it wants to teach me the To never have any pockets of my life where God is not there. To not have any relationships where God's not over them. To to never have any thoughts that God doesn't capture them. He wants me to renounce those pockets of my life where He isn't. I got uh, Wi-Fi at my house. Anybody got Wi-Fi at their house? Welcome to 2015. It's usually this, uh, this wireless modem or whatever they call them now. Transmitter that that allows you to use your phones and iPads and all your devices. In my house, uh, it's right in the middle of our house. But my house is old. It's got these really thick blocks and uh, lots of wood on the walls. And so uh, maybe you have this in your home. You go to certain ends of my house, I can't get Wi-Fi. There's just no signal back there, right? So what have I done? Da-da-da-da, technology! There are these things called extenders. They uh, They look like little transistor radios with some you know, antenna coming out. You can plug them into just a plug in your bedroom in this one end of the house or a, or a hallway at the other end of the house is where I might have both of these things. And they basically take that one Wi-Fi signal that's in the main room and it extends it. It makes it stronger. Some of you, are, you know, all the young people are like, duh. <laughs> Some of the old people are like, really? I've got to look into those. <laughs> but it makes it so that wherever you go in my house, you can pick up the Wi-Fi, right? Why do I bring that up? I I think there's parts of our lives that need God extenders. There's there's days in our weeks that need God extenders. It's easy when you come here. We talk about them all the time. signal is strong, right? But then you go to work or you go to school. You go to that one friend's house uh, who's not interested at all in your relationship with Christ. In fact, he's pretty much, or she's pretty much just hurtling herself in the other direction from God what we need to bring there is our extenders we need to be alright, in these situations I renounce the ungodliness, the lack of the presence of God in this place and I'm bringing him in he's going to be a part of this part of my life, of every part of my life, that's what he intends to be, that's what grace came to teach us no pockets of ungodliness God goes everywhere with us And we honor him in everything. It also teaches us uh, to say no to the stuff of this world that can pull you away from God. It says that right there to renounce worldly. Now go back for me to renounce worldly passions. Worldly passions. Passions here is words uh, a word that obviously goes to the inner appetites and the things that we feel. And, and it's those things in the, like it says in James, that entice us and drag us away. The stuff of the world out there that kind of leads to us having these pockets of ungodliness, right? Now, we got to say no to those temptations. We got to say no to the things that would lead us away from God. Uh, saying no, like I said, is is easy in some areas of our life and harder in others, right? I was, I was actually at a store the other day, and this lady uh, who was checking everybody, uh, you know, out through the cashier or whatever, uh, would ask everybody, hey, do you have our awards card? Anybody ever been asked that at a place of business? You can get those little fobs now, or uh, and they take your na- name, number, uh, email, and they just give you the rewards. Anyway. I, I don't always get them. I have some because I frequent the place and it works out for me. But others, I'm like, no, nah, I don't want your rewards card. I'm just no, thank you, very good. Yeah. But but this lady was so um, slick with her presentation. She would say, hey, do you have a rewards card? And before the person could even say no, she was picking up one of those things to start signing them up. And as soon as they said no, she said, oh, we'll just sign you up right now. But and she just and and like sheep, all these people in front of me were like, uh, my name, my phone number, my email. And they were signed up for this person's rewards uh, program. I'm sure she was getting paid per reward because she was knocking them out. Good for her. But she got to me, and I was like, I'm already signed up. Don't worry about it. uh, (laughs) But if I hadn't been a part of this rewards program, I wouldn't say yes. Why? Because it, it goes to the same thing that I'm talking about with sin. So often, we just blindly, without thinking, are just like, my name, my phone number, my email, let's sin and off we go what God wants of us what God wants grace to teach us is to be vigilant to learn to say no to the things that would lead us in the pockets of ungodliness one more grace trains us to say yes grace trains us to say to say yes or to live yes everybody say that with me Everybody, one, two, three, yes some of you are like, what? I meant yes, let's keep going says the grace of God has appeared and it's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live three things and I'll let you go self-controlled upright and godly lives self-controlled everybody point to yourself this is this is basically the grace of God you're still pointing to yourself some of you stop what, what just keep going wake them up and make them point all right the grace of God is meant to help us control what's going on in here everybody point up here It's to help us to to control what's going on between our temples. Okay, now you stop. When when it talks about self-control, it's been used uh, of of the description of the elder and of the older woman and the older man in Titus chapter 2. When it talks about self-control, it talks about controlling what's going on inside of me. The me that I am when no one else is around. The me that's in the dark. Uh, that's That's a huge part of our lives. In fact, every other part of our lives stems from What's going on in here and in here? And if you can learn to control your thoughts and your desires and you can turn them over to Jesus and say yes to a life that, that is shaped around your in inner, innerness, your inward being focused on him, then the rest of life becomes that much easier to follow him in. We can say, say yes or live yes uh, with self-control. We can live yes with upright. Everybody point to a person next to you. Or several people, okay. If self-control has to do with the inward, upright living has to do with the relational outward. All right, just don't point them in their face or poke their eye, but uh, yeah. What, what, what the grace of God wants to teach us is how to live a Christ-like life in our relationships with each other, with our friends, with our spouses, as parents to children, as children to parents. His grace is intended to shape our relationships and to bring a quality to them that is that is upright and honoring to Him and to each other. And finally, we got an inward, we got an outward, and everybody point up. We got an upward relationship. That's our relationship with God. And so what it says that He He wants us to say uh, yes uh, to a life of self control and uprightness and godly lives. He wants us to have a relationship with God that is vibrant. I just started uh, tweaking my quiet times, Uh, having them more frequently. Uh, Forgive your pastor, I didn't have one every day. You don't have to, but, uh, uh, you know, I think it's great if you do. So I'm having them more frequently, and I've just uh, been reinvigorated in my own relationship with God through just some things that I'm doing, praying to Him, listening to Him, reading about Him, and this relationship is, uh, is growing in my life. I'm grateful for it. I pray that it grows in your life because as your connection to God is strong, then your ability to self-control is strong and your ability to relate rightly, uprightly with the people in your life is strong. But all three are the things that God has intended for us by his grace. Told you grace couldn't be covered in 40 minutes. There's so much more. But here's what I want us to leave thinking today. I want us to leave, uh, first and foremost, being thankful for the grace that we've been given. As Christians, we often look at our present situation or the future concerns of our life, and we say, oh, God's failing me. This Christian thing isn't working out. Hey, everybody listen to me real quick. I know you've been very vigilant, very attentive. But listen to me. My heart, I, I've had three children, four now that I've you know, adopted another, but I've had three kids come through my house Uh, The statistics are staggering. The number of young men and women who grow up in a church just like you guys are, who get to a certain point in life and they just tap out. The Christian thing isn't relevant to them anymore. They're just going to try something else. It's going to be a temptation in your world. Maybe it's a temptation already. Maybe you only went to Revolve because you had to. Listen to me. If you can just hear one thing from your pastor. Who loves you, even though I don't know y'all? My heart is that you would persist in your faith in Jesus Christ, that you'd never wander, that you'd never take a break, that you'd always be able to say no to the world, to ungodliness, that you'd always be able to say yes to God in your personal relationship with him, to say yes to to living rightly in your own life and to say yes in your relationships, a life that honors him. It's the best life you can live. And I want you to do it, not so that you can have great things from in the future, although God's got great stuff in store for you. I trust that fully. But I want you to do it because if you're a Christian, you've already received the greatest gift known to mankind. God, in his infinite love for you, saved you from yourself, and he's given you life and life to the full through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's some good news. And I pray that as you live your lives, you would live in light of that we pray let's pray hey God thanks so much for a chance just to go over these verses they're so packed there's so much to talk about when we start bringing up grace uh, Lord help us uh, not to fall into the trap that is legalism and us trying to do things on top of grace help us just to rest in your grace but help us Lord not to abuse your grace and to just go and do whatever we want counting on your grace to cover it help us to live lives that are thankful gratitude uh, so important make us thank you notes. what you and your son have done for us father and lead us train us let your grace train us and empower us and pick us up and dust us off and start us off again in a life that's built around saying no to the right or to the wrong things and saying yes to you and the right things for our lives i pray that with all my heart for all these people and in the name of your son jesus christ and everybody said amen thanks revolvers nice work go get a nap God bless you as you go.